0: And roll cream, a little dabble, do ya. My name's Andy Steves. Today on the podcast, The Day the Music Died. We'll talk about the famous plane crash, serve up a little American pie, and talk about a teenager whose career rose like a phoenix from the ashes of Clear Lake, Iowa. The number one song of 1959 was The Battle of New Orleans by Johnny Horton. Well, they ran through the briars and they ran through the brambles and they ran through the bushes where a rabbit couldn't go. <laughs> Richie Valens was the only singer of the three who died to make the year-end Hot 100 songs and his song oh Donna" was at number 14. And On February 3, 1959, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, and J.P. Richardson, known as the Big Bopper, died along with their 21-year-old pilot when their plane crashed shortly after takeoff at Clear Lake, Iowa. The early days of rock and roll were tough on a singer or a group. Getting a hit record was one thing, you had to promote the tunes in order to make money. Shady promoters set up these rock and roll shows that played in a place for one night and moved on to the next town. Musicians were often left to get to these gigs on their own, usually in someone's beat-up jalopy or in a broken-down converted school bus with no heat. That happened a lot of the time. Frostbite was not uncommon. The last concert for Holly and All was a small town in Iowa known as Clear Lake. The gig was part of the Winter Dance Party Tour, but he needed the money. His business manager, Norman Petty, was allegedly stealing his profits. And not only that, he wanted to move his pregnant wife, Maria, to New York City. They had been married all of six months. Holly had just split with his band, The Crickets, in November. His new band included Waylon Jennings, a future country superstar, of course, who famously lost a coin flip to Buddy for a seat on the plane. Those present said the two performers kidded each other, with Holly telling Whalen, I hope you freeze on the bus, to which Jennings poked back, I hope the plane crashes. Oh, Whalen never forgave himself for that conversation. The big bopper, J.P. Richardson, apparently wanted on the flight because he had the flu and didn't want to ride on a bus with no heat. Like Holly Richie Valens won a coin toss for his seat, and it was noted that it was the first time in his life, he said, that he ever won something. So ironic. The pilot was 21-year-old Roger Peterson, family man who died in the crash. The flight cost $36 in 1959, that's about 500 bucks in today's money. Some of the factors of the crash, the plane was an old bucket, pilot had limited flying experience, Weather conditions at the time of the crash were lousy, and the pilot was not briefed as to the severity of the weather. The plane crashed approximately five minutes after takeoff, and subsequent autopsies found that all aboard had died instantly. Afterward, Buddy Holly's wife Maria learned of the crash while watching TV, and sadly, she miscarried the baby. But the show must go on. The winter dance party went on as scheduled. Dion and the Belmonts were part of the tour, Whalen Jennings was part of everyone's backup band, and a new star emerged from the carnage, Bobby V, then 15 years old, and a hastily assembled band of Fargo's schoolboys, including his older brother Bill, calling themselves the Shadows they volunteered for and were given the job of filling in for Holly and his band at the next stop on the tour, which was Moorhead, Minnesota. Their performance there was such a success that it started V's career as a popular singer. In 1963, V released a tribute album on Liberty Records called I Remember Buddy Holly. In the liner notes, he recalled Holly's influence on him and the events surrounding Holly's death, describing how he had looked forward to attending the concert, how the local radio station put out a call for local talent to fill in after the disaster, and how Bobby's brand new group, which knew all of Holly's songs, had to make up a name which they did called the shadows right there on the spot his first single susie baby was written by bobby v with a nod to buddy holly's peggy sue and was recorded in nineteen fifty nine for the minneapolis-based soma label Also on that record, and I don't know if it was on the record or maybe it was later on on tour, but I know that Bob Dylan, just starting out, he toured with Bobby V, and he calls Bobby one of the nicest people he's ever met. Bobby V became a star, and he performed regularly at the Winter Dance Party Memorial Concerts at Clear Lake. His three sons, all musicians, performed with him there. Some of his hits included Rubber Ball, Devil or Angel, Please Say You'll Be Mine, and uh, Take Good Care of My Baby. Of course, songs by Buddy Holly included Peggy Sue, Every Day It's Getting Closer, Rave On, Oh Boy, and I Guess It Doesn't Matter Anymore. He was 22 years old when he passed on. Richie Valens was 17. He had hit songs with La Bamba, Come On, Let's Go, and Oh Donna. J.P. Richardson had one big hit at the time. He was a DJ, and he kind of had a novelty hit with a song called Chantilly Lace and A Pretty Face. He was 28 years old. So of course the line, the day the music died, appears on Don McLean's 1971 American Pie. Aside from being the ultimate all-time bar sing-along song, it became the longest song to hit the number one position on the Billboard charts at 8 minutes and 36 seconds, until Taylor Swift's 10-minute cut, All Too Well, broke the record in 2012. Don was a paperboy in 1959 he heard about the holly crash when he cut the twine on the papers he was delivering but february made me shiver with every paper i'd deliver bad news on the doorstep i couldn't take one more step the meaning of the lyrics in the song have been wildly debated for decades experts have speculated that everyone from the beatles to bob dylan to janis joplin were mentioned in the song in an interview in twenty nineteen Don McLean said, American Pie represented the end of innocence of the country itself after the Buddy Holly plane crash. He said that the entire culture of North America started to change at the start of the 60s. Indeed, the music of the 50s truly did seem to represent an innocence that was lost in subsequent years of anti-war and anti-racial protest in the next decade. Fun fact, the background vocals of American Pie were credited to the West 44th Street Rhythm and Noise Choir, which were rumored to be the voices of James Taylor, Carly Simon, Livingston Taylor, and classic folk singer Pete Seeger. Another single from the album is called Vincent, Starry Starry Night, a tribute to uh, painter Vincent Van Gogh. Starry Starry Night. The song Empty Chairs was heard by Laurie Lieberman at one of McLean's concerts, and it inspired her to write the song Killing Me Softly, song of the year in 1973 for Roberta Flack, and later a hit for Lauryn Hill. Strumming my pain with his fingers, singing my life with his words. And we'll let Don McLean have the last word on the day the music died. Quote, Buddy Holly's death to me was a personal tragedy. As a child, I had no idea that nobody else felt that way much. I mean, I went to school and mentioned it and they said, so what? So I carried this yearning and longing, if you will, this weird sadness that would overtake me when I would look at this album, The Buddy Holly Story, because that was my last Buddy record before he passed away. A couple more fun facts about the day the music died. The last song Buddy Holly performed was Chuck Berry's Brown-Eyed Handsome Man. In his final phone call made in the dressing room of the surf's ballroom, Buddy Holly told his wife that all he wanted was some clean clothes and a warm bed to sleep in. Maria Elena was supposed to go on tour with Buddy as she always did, but she was pregnant and not feeling well. And of course shortly after the tragedy, she miscarried. Buddy's trademark glasses were not found until the snow melted in the cornfield that April. After that, They sat for 21 years in a drawer at the police department in Cerro Gordo County. His wife won the glasses back in a dispute against Buddy's parents. Wayland Jennings' mother was shocked and relieved to hear from him. The first news she heard was that Buddy Holly and his bandmates were killed in a plane crash. And of course that would have included Waylon. After the accident, Waylon put Buddy's guitar in a locker and mailed the keys to Buddy's wife so it wouldn't be stolen. The Winter Dance Party Tour had a total of 12 buses many of which had no heat and were frequently breaking down. The performers entertained themselves by gambling with dice on the bus. The tour dates were so disorganized that the schedule had to be described as if someone were throwing darts at a map to decide where they'd go next. The final venue for Buddy, Richie, and JP was the Surf Ballroom in Clear Lake, Iowa. It is now a National Historical Landmark. The date of Buddy, Richie and J.P.'s final show was February 2nd, 1959, of course Groundhog Day. The ticket price for the show was $1.25. The show was for ages 12 to 21 only. If you were 22, you couldn't get in there. I'm Andy Steves. Thanks for listening to Coolsville. We'll see you next time.